0: Today, I have the privilege of sharing a conversation that I recently had with the incredible Daniel Bradford, who is the head of boarding at St. Stanislaus College. In this wide-ranging interview, we talked about the importance of trust, the challenges and opportunities of running a boarding school for boys, and what having daughters has taught him about raising young men. Daniel was a wonderful guest, and I'm so grateful that he took the time to chat with me. I hope that you get as much out of this wide-ranging discussion as I did. Please enjoy. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to join me. Where are you phoning in from?
1: Hi, Matthew. Here, no problem at all. It's my my pleasure. Um, I'm actually up in, in Bathurst in the Central West, um, St. Stanislaus College, um, lovely boys, um, boys Catholic boarding school out here, um, not known as Stanies as well to many other people.
0: Fantastic. And I can see from your background. I know most people listening or will be listening to this, uh, the audio of this, but you look like you're. Uh, at school in holidays, is that pretty commonplace for you? Do you ever get a, get any time off?
1: No, absolutely. It's something that um, I, I think I've got. I'm, I'm getting better at. Um, yeah. Than those, but when you're in the residential setting, it's probably when a lot of the other work gets done. You know, I think yeah, right. today we're bump, we're bumping in fifty brand new mattresses because the other ones have had their <laughs> you know five to six year lifespan that you should have by the boarding standards. And yeah, yeah. Um, those are the things that if you, I guess it's like watching a sporting event, isn't it? If the referee isn't spoken about he's probably done a good job so it's those little things that we're yeah. doing now when no one's here to try and make sunday when the families arrive um, yeah. it just seem like they were already here and seamless
0: and it's funny isn't it there's so many things that i always say to my team like if there's not a problem then we've done our job um it's so much of that sort of upstream thinking that you quite often don't know the problems that you've avoided uh, but you but you tend to um part of your role are you continuously sort of looking ahead to try and resolve some of those problems before they uh before they occur
1: yeah absolutely look i'm i'm only 18 months into this into this role here at this school and like any place um it has its you know it has the things that it's great at it has things it yeah, yeah. does really well has its challenges and so the first part was was looking at what these little bits were and um, what are the parts that need to be left alone because yeah. anything i try to do will take away from it and then yeah. I guess, looking at these schedules and these other pieces and, and little bits to say what is it that we can actually be ahead of.
0: Nice one. And quite possibly the most um, important question for our conversation, what's your coffee order for when I can finally jet over to Bathurst?
1: Yeah. yeah, look, it's a funny. It depends the time of day. I, I start with a long black in the morning. Um, as the day goes, I, I try not to have too many coffees, but I'll start with a long black and then the next one later in the day will be a piccolo or a flat white. Fantastic. Did you... Uh, uh, do you stop drinking coffee after a certain time in the day? I should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should. Um, and I do sometimes, but it's, it's no, uh, probably the one thing that I'm not very good at. Uh, nice no, one. And uh, is. is
0: there a book uh, that you've read um, either within your sphere in education or more broadly that has caused you to uh, stop and reconsider a few things in your life?
1: Yeah, look, I, I love reading. Um, I'm I'm an interesting one when people say, "What do you read?" Because on my Kindle I could have anything from um, a Dan Brown to a James Patterson, but then I could right. have a biography, or it could be a leadership book. Okay. Um, I just reread Grit again, which is a really, right. great really book. great, great book. Yeah, but one th- one that's really shaped me was a program I was fortunate to do in Queensland by, run by a gentleman named Stephen Scott, and um, part of his leadership program was named the Fifteen Disciplines, and it's a book that he published, and that has had enormous impact on me. I read it for the program and I've probably read it about four or five times since I finished the program with Stephen. And it's uh, like a, it's like a playbook, 15 disciplines around leadership. And it's just, yeah. they're not rules. As he says, they're disciplines and some, it's like anything, there's some bits that you find really resonate with you. And there's other bits you might read it and it may not, but it, I've really found that as I've gone through certain days or certain weeks or events Discipline seven could really mm. be uh, prevalent in that yeah. um, way. And so it's a really, I, I call it my little playbook for myself.
0: Fantastic. Is there a, um, is there a discipline that you feel are particularly strong in um, yeah. and also one that you are uh, maybe looking at refining over the course of 2023?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, the one, maybe not so much strong, but it's the one that I'm trying to keep working at because I really believe in it and mm. it's the idea of, Having having that um, vision, that mission, and you come back to it, you know, everything you do, whether it's planning, when we review, when we discuss, when we have a conversation, even um, are we going back to the mission of what we're trying to achieve and, and, you know, who we'd like to be? That's the one that I really try to use myself to guide on. And there's one that he um, writes about fantastically well, and it's the concept of, um, I guess, doing less harmful for the greater good, some harm is going to be done when you have to make decisions or Mm. action things. Um, And it's that idea of doing what's best at the time, knowing Mm. that there may be some harm done, but that harm's probably the lesser of two evils or or the best way to go. Yeah, and and that's the one that I, that's one that challenges me all the time because I have to constantly come back to that because we we don't like doing harm. Um, We don't do what we do to do harm. Yeah. and and but there is going to be some sort
0: of friction, though, isn't there? Like, absolutely, okay, all, all change is not. I mean, change is not always seamless. Um, yeah. But I think it's that sort of that 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 balancing out of uh, what is the greater good here. And absolutely, and I'm interested, Daniel. Like you talked a little bit about kind of like your own sort of personal philosophy or your your, your personal motivation. Like you're currently. In school, in school holidays, I'm sure yep. your hours and the demands on your time are immense. And so, as I mentioned before, I hit recording. incredibly grateful that you'd talk to me today. But, but what are some of the things that really drive you around education? I mean, why do you invest so much of your time when you could be spending time with your kids, when you could be at the pool, when you could be in the mm. cafe? What, what is it that that causes you to to invest so much
1: into your job? Yeah, it's a good question. It's funny you mentioned my kids because as a director of boarding, obviously we live either on campus or nearby traditionally. I've just looked out the window here and I can see my daughters piggybacking each other over the uh, <laughs> number one sports level, so I hope they don't go too far away. Um, for me, um, my, my educational journey started with a teacher I had back at school. Yeah, I, was right. from a, I was from a, uh, I guess back in New Zealand, a traditional, not traditional, but a, you know what would have been termed a broken home Um single mum who raised me, you know, loving family with a single mum. And I had a teacher at the school who was our head of year, but also the guidance counsellor. And um, he played a little bit of a father figure type role in terms of the brutal honesty that he had with me at times because I was from a small town as well. And when you would do things or look at work experience or make decisions, he was really nurturing and caring, but he was really big on pulling you back and saying, you're trying to take the soft option here. Um, Mm. Why don't you look at this option instead? It's going to be a little bit harder. Yeah. And he challenged me really early on, but he also did that with that really nurturing hand. Yeah. And that's been a huge driver for me. And even with um, how I've gone about my career, you know, we talk about the ladder. I feel like sometimes I've monkey barred, where I've gone from a, a well being role to a head of year role to, um, in another Catholic school at one stage, a formation leader role. Had times where I've done some been a subject coordinator for certain stage levels and here I am now as a head of sort of you know director of boarding so in some ways it's been the breadth there because for me I've always needed to be in a place where I can provide those two things where I really mm. feel that I can help with the vision of a place but be a, be a nurturing hand but also be yeah um, that you know that brutal honesty comes from a good place as well yeah
0: and and I think um, and I'd love to get into that a little bit more in terms of the differences between a kind of a, a if you like a day school and a boarding school and some of the I guess the pastoral and the well-being mm. aspects that are associated with that because it's a completely different role I would imagine than a sort of a traditional school. but I'm really interested though um Daniel, just to ask um the teacher that had that really the significant impact in your life um do you remember how he made you feel? How did you feel when you walked into his classroom? Or how did you feel when you interacted with him?
1: I guess for me, I knew that when I, I he taught me as well. So obviously there was right. a teaching element. There were time, no matter what conversation we would have, I knew that I would come away from that informed, mm. enriched or challenged. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think that was the big thing. And I knew that it was coming from a place of care.
0: Yeah. And, and as
1: I said, the challenge, one. I just distinctly remember talking about a pathway that I was thinking about doing in my final year of school. and he said, yeah, go ahead and do that. But this is probably what will happen. And why don't you try this? And I hadn't thought of that. Another time I went in and said, I've been offered this. And he said, yes, I have about 20 other thousand young people in New Zealand. And I need to be <laughs> really honest, you might love it. But and you you could get there. But right now, this many people yeah. actually succeed in it. Yeah. And right now without it, you to me, I'm being really honest, you don't have the the natural ability up front that others might, so you're going to have to work supremely hard and really, you know, do those one percenters and do those things better if you want to make it, you yeah. know. And uh, to me, that was fantastic. I didn't, for some people, it might seem by saying that he's being a little bit um hard, but he, he was dead right. Well, look at it now, he was totally right. And at the time, I walked away going, I thought I was better than that, you know. Yeah. The next conversation then gave me the cut, the yeah, the, uh, the boost up in the uh, the climb the ladder again with me here because you actually have got use and value i wasn't putting you down i'm just getting you to think about it
0: yeah have you had the chance to kind of loop back and have a conversation with him
1: interesting you say that i, I did when i did for a good period of time i really did right up until the yeah. time i probably had my own children and then
0: yeah, yeah. sleepless
1: nights and fatigue and other things yeah. in and um but what i um i have linked sort of loop back and linked in again on linkedin so obviously knowing that he, he would um, knowing where I'm at at my stage, you're like, he would be um, at retirement yeah. stage at the moment. But yeah. yes, I have made an effort to, to try to reconnect. So I'm just amazing. waiting for that and, and request to be accepted.
0: Yeah. And for those people that that are listening to this conversation, I would encourage um, you all to try and reach out to a teacher that made a, a difference in your life. Because I, um, I actually did an interview with an, an amazing teacher uh, called Mrs. Taylor-Jones, who was my year three and then again, my year five teacher. Um, in Long Row Primary School in the middle of England. And we were going through a particularly traumatic time at home, um, family separations, and so on and so such. And um, all I remember is walking into her classroom and feeling known and valued. And I'm sure she did this for every single student that passed through her through her doors. But I felt like the most important student in the class. And I have no idea what she taught me. I have no idea. She must've taught me about fractions and area and all that stuff, but I I can't remember. I just remember how she made me feel. And I went back a number of years ago with my wife and and introduced her to my teacher and I actually burst into tears and I gave her a hug and it was the most uncool interaction I could have possibly had with a former teacher. But I think it just shows the power of great educators and the difference that they have in your life. I mean would you would you agree with that? Do you think it's in a lot of those unsaid or unseen things that makes teaching so great?
1: Oh absolutely. It might have been the most uncool thing but probably the most authentic thing yeah. you've done as well. I just remember I'm, I'm sure like you that. didn't script that.
0: <laughs> oh I remember doing the ugly cry and there was like snot and tears and yeah. but it is it it and she had, I mean, I think this is true to, to to what so many great teachers do: is she had no idea of the impact. And I'm sure the teacher that you um, spoke so fondly about really didn't didn't comprehend the the um, the significance of the impact that he had in your life. And I think about how many there must be so many teachers, so many unsung heroes that never appreciate the impact that they've had. And so, like I said, if you're listening to this please thank a teacher that's made a difference in your life. It's, it's so, it's so incredibly important. Um, Daniel, I was just wondering um, if we were sitting down at a barbecue and uh, you were telling me uh,
1: what you did for a job, how would you explain what you did? (laughs) It's a funny one, isn't it? Um, Depends. It depends which hat i mean, What do you say? How often do you hear this? I'm just a teacher. You hear that quite a lot. And as I've certainly got more into the profession, and I look at the turnover and the attrition. I, I I think that's a bit of a sad statement in a way, uh, mm. because I think going back to what you said, um, the impact that teachers have. Well, I actually had that a couple of weeks ago when I um, caught up with a friend. And, you know, what What did COVID do to us socially in terms of yeah. years went by and people, you sort of, you, you have close friends even when you hadn't sat down with them for a long time and mm. we were having a coffee. So what is it, he's a teacher as well. What is it you're doing again where you are? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you know he's a he's at a great school and um, great friend, and it did actually make me think, didn't it? And yeah, you know, in boarding we have that idea of the loco in loco parentis, you know, mm. old Latin um, phrase that in, in the absence of that parent, you are that parent, mm. and that's where our our layer comes in. But look, for me, I've got a team with within my boarding, and I've got families, and I've got a outstanding head of college who supports what we do. So when when you ask me what I do, I'm just trying to pro- provide a place. Where um, boys feel safe, um, challenged, and engaged, um, yeah. and that we we need to probably get more um, clear on how we you know measure excellence, but we celebrate each other's excellence and we pick yeah. each other up when we need to. And but to me, it comes back to those two words of engage and challenge. That's yeah. that's all I'm trying to provide.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, it, it it's really interesting, I think, because you, you you really do take on that role of the parent. I mean, I would imagine that there are times that you've got boys in your care that are going through some really big challenges. They could be missing. It could be welfare issues. And how do you, um, because I find it, it, I'd love you to to maybe unpack how you, um, how you kind of fulfill that role, because you're not obviously taking over the role of a parent, but I mean, you have such an incredible and such a significant role pastorally for those under your care. So, how do you sort of work with parents and in partnership to make sure that you're um, you're really supporting them? Because you're spending most of the most of their children's time with sorry the children are spending most mm-hmm. of their time with you. So, how do you kind of find that balance?
1: Yeah, and and it is true, isn't it? When you look at um, for us being an independent school, you're looking at that thirty eight to forty week. Um, year that we have and if Mm we have a full-time boarder, seven days a week for that time, and they may go home three or four times in a term, but they are spending more time with us than their parents. Look, it comes back to, I don't know who said it, it's an old saying we've all heard at times that they don't um, care what you know until they know that you care. I mean, that's that's dot one. That doesn't mean you downplay the knowledge side of it, but the biggest thing for me is just being open and transparent. One of the things that we do here and I know that um, a lot of other schools do it as well. If a parent come, puts in an application, you spend time with them initially. Um, mm-hmm. You have to take away that automated enrollment system. They have to be given a moment of your time and a piece of you early on. Right. Um, yeah. Not to set yourself up that then becomes manipulated and taken advantage of, but they need to know that from, that, from the first minute, yeah. you're invested in them as much as they're invested in you. Yeah. Um, I'm really big on this idea that I, we're not for everybody. And not everybody's for us. So mm. we're coming to have a conversation. We're going to walk around. And the, the walk that we're doing, I want you to feel that it's your walk. You're not, yeah. just, you're not just the third interview of the week. Um, yeah. This is your walk. And I'll have a plan in place, but it will be very much, um, you know, how are you going to change the world as a young man? Mm. And what, what do you want to see while you're here? Because I can take you through my, my schedule of here's the dormitory, here's the classroom, here's the eating, here's the laundry. Yeah. But what is it that's going to make you get out of bed and want to change the world or yeah. be be somebody in that world? And I think that's the starting point. Um, we're re- we're really big on this idea with with parents that um, if you're sending the boy here, we need your trust and you need our trust. Mm. Um, it's a real partnership. It's a real genuine two way connection.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I, I just think if you do that early on, that you do gain that relationship and that trust. And you're right, some of the stories. Um, are just how some of these families and, and boys can even put one foot in front of the other at times is quite mind-boggling. Yeah. Yeah. I think of what's been happening with this, with the flooding recently, and Absolutely. some of the some of the stories from last year. We see it on the, on the media, and even here in Bathurst, you know, two and a half hours from Sydney, when a parent comes in and then tells you what their reality actually is. You go, "Well, we got thirty minutes on the news, and we've kind of switched the TV off now, and um, we've moved on to the next news cycle." Yeah, and you're now. In week eight of this. And when you're telling me what's happening in your life, but then you tell me we're so fortunate because at least we've still got our house. <laughs> you you can't not look at things in mm. a different set of shoes.
0: Yeah. I, I'm really interested, Daniel. Like you mentioned uh trust. Like how important is that to sort of build those networks that support trust? And and I would imagine it's something that can kind of take a lifetime to build a bit of a moment to lose.
1: I, um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, and I think um, I've seen both sides of it, you know. And, and I think it, it comes back to again that that idea really earlier on, where I talked about um, sort of the least harm concept, but more around that difficult conversation. You've, mm. it's, an, it's not a nice way to put it, but you've almost got to be willing to be there for more funerals than you are there for more weddings. Yeah, yeah. Um, be uh, there yeah. for the times that are really tough. Yeah. It's easier yeah. to celebrate the good stuff, but if if you're if you're authentic and genuine in your relationship, um, yeah. that tap doesn't that tap doesn't turn off, so to speak.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think again, building the trust from for us in the residential, it comes comes back to our communication being um, proactive. Um,
0: yeah. There's yeah. different
1: ways to term it. Some call it the 80-20 rule. If I can yeah. proactively communicate in advance 80% of the time, when that 20% reactive communication comes, that will be a lot easier because yeah. We've built up that relationship. Yeah. Um, let's be honest. Sometimes at ten o'clock at night, that parent doesn't want to take that phone call. <laughs> but then other times they might say, "I don't care what time of night it is, I want to know." Um, yeah. And, and people are, you know, humans. We're such complex. We're such complex beings, aren't we? Um, yeah. I think trust is everything, and in, in, not just in pastoral or residential. I, I genuinely think in all educational settings, I think trust is everything.
0: Yeah, and obviously your. Um, School is a um, a faith based school, so an, a that's right. Catholic school, and I know not everyone listening to this um, yeah. um, have that particular persuasion. But um, how important um, is faith in your um, sort of well-being structure and how you yeah. um, uh, how you sort of pastorally care for for
1: the boys? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll qualify that. Um, and I've actually worked in schools um, of faith and those, you know, non denominational. Yeah. We are a faith-based, but we don't um, discriminate that in terms of So We have lots of yeah. um, we yeah. have lots of enrol- enrolled boys here who aren't of the faith. We have ones who are of other faiths, etc. Yeah. Yes, the faith is there. Yes, we have a, a particular this approach, nice. but what yeah. we're doing at the moment is really based around the idea of our virtues yeah, yeah. and our idea of who are we. So when we break it down, it's words like compassion, humility, Correct. service. Um, yeah. Those are our pillars that we come back to. Um, with okay. our young men, because it's about producing good men for the world. Um, yeah. And whilst we do have a series of parameters we need to put within, it would be so remiss of us to um, yeah. neglect that young man or that family simply because of a, a misalignment yeah. of faith.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dan, I'm just wondering um, how. Uh, did you- Sorry, let me rephrase that. Um, How do you define uh, leadership? And do you think it's something that has um, changed over the course of your career?
1: Um, Defining leadership, I actually... It's a funny one, isn't it? How many textbooks could we read? But if I I come back to some words, I I think it's around being inclusive. I think it's Mm -hmm. around being brave. And I think you need to embrace vulnerability. Yeah. I think if you're going to lead those, those... Well, those are three aspects that I always try to come back to as well um, yeah I can't expect vulnerability from people if I'm not going to show it Um, and when I say vulnerability that comes to that idea of bravery because we need our young people to be brave Mm -hmm. and we should encourage them to be brave and take Mm -hmm. healthy risks and support them through that process and you know what was it Celia Lashley used to say that she was a a lady from New Zealand uh, there's a bridge of adolescence that every young person has to walk along um, and there's times they need us to walk on it with them and times we should walk beside them. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's not an easy bridge to walk that, and there's, there's bravery that comes with it. Yeah. And um, when I say that idea of inclusion at the start, that's that sort of, I guess, around the staff that I work with and that work for me. Um, I, I want every person to really feel that they're valued and heard. Yeah.
0: And,
1: and, well, and it has changed a lot because um, we've become a very... Um, become a society obviously we've got compliance we've got you know legislation we've got yes fiscal responsibilities and all of these things um but most importantly too now we've there's been a need in all industry how um, transparency is everything Mm. i think there used to be a time so it's not not even that long ago where maybe there were things done that weren't that transparent they should have been and there's been periods of time where pieces have had to be picked up for that but i i think now you have to be really transparent in your leadership
0: yeah and um I promise we haven't asked, I haven't asked anybody in your team this question, but, I mean, if they, um, uh, if we had somebody from your team sitting here talking about your leadership and your leadership style, what do you um, think they would say about you?
1: I, I, I hope that they would say... That they, we haven't um, asked anyone, I promise. No, nah, <laughs> I wouldn't want, you know what, I wouldn't want, <laughs> yeah. because it's the best way to learn, isn't it? Yeah. Ask, yeah. Them, ask them what they think. And, and I do ask them at times, and one of the things I always say um, to them when I'm speaking to them is, what do you need from me? Hmm. Um, or what have you got for me? One, I'd really hope that they would feel um, valued in, as part of the team. And there would be times that I'm sure that, and there's, you know, it's probably, because we're not perfect, there's probably imperfect, imperfect times when I've executed something and maybe the odd person hasn't felt valued because I maybe didn't loop them in soon enough or deeply enough, you know, and yeah. those are learnings for me. But I'd hope that that idea of feeling included and valued. Um, yeah. And then I would hope as well that, they can hand on heart say they feel that they're being led and yeah. support. The yeah. decision needs to be made. Let's all um, lock the doors, discuss it, bounce the ideas. Um, let's unite in that decision. And then when push comes to shove, I'll go out and I'll I'll lead that and I'll pick that cause up on behalf of. It. Yeah. Um, because, you know, there's certain things that a leader just has to do. Yeah, and us we've us all got it. somebody that leads us. But when you're tasked with something, you have to lead it because, again, your staff won't do things for you if they don't feel you're brave enough to lead it.
0: Yeah, and going back to the um, the fifteen disciplines, what we, we were just sort of touching on before, um, we talked about one of the areas that you think is uh, one of your strengths. Is there uh, an area that you would like to uh, develop more looking forward as a leader?
1: Um, not necessarily from that, from those those disciplines there, but I'm. I'm be- I'm getting much better at um, wanting to keep myself uh, challenged and being open and, you know, being brave in what I'm doing. Um, I actually am looking for those opportunities to really feel uncomfortable. And I I think um, at certain phases of our life we go through wanting to seek that out, trying to avoid it at all costs. Um, I sort of feel at the moment now that I'm really open to being you know, challenged and vulnerable and let's look at a few little things here. So that is causing me to look up and out in terms of some learnings for myself, you know, with professional learnings or potential networks I could go into and things like that. So
0: is there um, something that you've you've changed your mind about or changed your approach about
1: in terms of your leadership? Um, (laughs) Changed myself, I think. I think for me, it's probably... Since I've had children, we talk mm. about as leadership, I've got um, daughter, daughters that are six and eight, and um, wow. I work in a boys' school, and I've got two young girls. Wow, that's they've, interesting. That, they've probably changed me more than anything, and that's, I would say, you know, we try to, we try to, what's the, they talk about work and work, work life and home life being different. I mm. think in our profession, it's borderline impossible, because we spend more time at work than we do at home, in many ways. Best so when I w- when I say that I'm not saying we should take work home, but I honestly think that as things change in our own situation, whether it's in work or life, it's going to impact the other. And yeah. I think that my daughters have done that to me a huge amount of in terms of my ability to um to take that step back. You know, they can they can level you up in about 15 seconds flat yeah. with a comment, with a look, <laughs> okay. with a re- with a reminder. Yeah, um, and that's really made me take stock and remind myself as well that, you know what, you're actually a living example here for people.
0: Yeah. So how how has that changed the way that you, like how has having daughters changed the way that you raise boys and raise young men?
1: Oh, it's what it's done and I've always had it there, but it's really, really solidified and really um, just kept me constantly reminding myself around this idea of that that nurture with our young men. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in our young men using the word love you know, yeah. um, using, giving a hug when it's needed, yeah. those sort of things. Um, because, you know, when you're in the male environment, you can get caught up with that. And, and you know, coming through myself, being a person who loves sport, quite heavy, heavy male environment with my activities when I was younger, you can get caught up in that, um, that, that, that. That masculinity, you know, and I'm not a, I do struggle at times with the idea of toxic, toxic masculinity because mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in rather than calling things out, we should then pull those boys in. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. You know, when we
1: call them out, are we actually helping them? Yeah. I'd actually rather call them in and understand. Yeah, and I think my I think having my daughters has done that for me a lot more. Um, yeah,
0: I I would I completely agree. Like, have I've got two daughters. I've got a three year old and a five year old who you can probably hear running around in the lounge room. And um, I wasn't. I was talking to my wife about this the other night. Like, we weren't ready for the the the. The level of change or the the fundamental shift that having um, kids, and for me especially daughters, would 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 cause in our lives, and I think it has it's changed everything. It's changed the way I approach my job. It's changed the the dedication to the kids in my class in a positive way, um, and it's um yeah it, it's immense. And I'm just trying to get my head around it. So when they're older, I'll I'll phone you up for a bit of advice on how to deal with um
1: six and eight-year-olds because... And then I'll them. try and give you a number of somebody else who doesn't any answers because <laughs> I won't have any.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think... Yeah. Did, do you think, Daniel, like you talked a little bit about um, the importance of vulnerability um, in leadership. Um, I really struggle with that because I know like in my first year in a leadership role, I wanted to be the person that knew everything and mm. I was pretending to have my head across everything. And I was, to be honest, I was doing a really bad job because everyone knew I was... I wasn't fooling anyone. And then I kind of sort of swung the other way where I was like super open and wanted to get on with everyone and wanted to be everyone's best friend. And then I think a number of years later and where I am now, I'm sort of I, I'm I think I've kind of found that sweet spot between being directional and also being um uh vulnerable and open with other people. Would you mind maybe talking a little bit about that? And is that something which you struggle with? Because sometimes I don't know what to reveal about myself. Um, if I've had a bad day with the kids, do I go into school and just blurt it out? Like how, mm. uh, what does vulnerability look like and how do we sort of walk that line as a leader? Because I, I really I really struggle with that one.
1: Yeah, no and, and when I say that, I'm not saying that um, that I've got the answer for it either. I think it's one of those um, things that we keep living with and working on um, right. at personally. there's times I wish I could shake the leader of five years ago myself and Mm. shake a little bit of that into him, you know, because I, you know, I was very much like the two, I had my opinions and had my ideas set and this is what we can do and here's how we should do it. And um, sometimes I wish I could go back to certain things, five, six years ago and shake them and go, this is the time where you need to use those two ears a little bit more, (laughs) you know, when, when I talk about vulnerability, I think one of the big things is, um, you know, the idea of being willing at times to just ride boundaries. Sometimes, you don't have to be there with the answers. You don't have to be there um, even as the centre presence or the presence is such. Just being in the room sometimes when you're not sure yourself is, is enormous, you know? And I think it, when I talk about it with a, with a young leader, I think the first thing you should do as a young leader is just walk around and ask questions. Um, yeah. Get a feel, feel the place that you're in. Um, because it, I think a lot of it is we talk about what, why, all of those, and, you know, Simon Seneca always talks about our why. I think we've also got to really keep working on every day our, our who, who are we? Mm. And I think every day that changes. And I think every day, I don't think that will ever not change right until the day that we stop being leaders. Um, mm. we, have, we have a clear the, thought of who we'd like to be or who we should be, but at any given time, as you say, you might've had no sleep, or this has happened and who you debrief with, or you've had to do something really difficult. I think at times, um, just coming back to who it is, who, who would you like to be in that situation is important. Yeah, um, and I don't think there is one set thing with vulnerability. I think it can literally change on a day-to-day basis depending on the situation. Yeah, absolutely. And
0: it seems like there's a lot of kind of kind of talk at the moment around like balance and about having our lives like in this wonderful harmony. And, mm. and I, I often feel like again, okay, let's pra- practically i know that i should stretch more every day i know yep. i should i know i should run i know i should yep. journal and all that kind of stuff but it's difficult because it seems like well-being just seems like another thing that we have to do it's another mm. thing on our to do list and um what are your thoughts on well-being do you think balance exists as a teacher do you feel like you you, you currently have balance in your life or, or, or yeah i'm not really sure what question i'm asking there but i nah. um,
1: yeah, yeah, and again, I, I think it's uh, I think yeah. it's one of those evolving things, isn't it? And I think it depends on mm. where you're at with your life. And, yeah, I do. I, look, there's, there's so many fantastic um, people and organisations around well-being. Sometimes I do think that we, there's, there is that. Sometimes it does get lost, as you say, well-being is something we have to do. Yeah. So as a school, we we'll block blocking a well-being day, but that well-being day will mean you've got to do these six activities because they're good right. for yeah. your well-being. <laughs> you know, sometimes that person just needs an hour. Yeah. and having to do that activity may not actually be what their wellbeing needs. Mm. Um, Balance-wise, it's such a good question because as I said before, um, in, our, in our role, does it actually get separated? It's still a question that I think about all the time as, as educators. We don't just close the laptop or turn the phone off and we could have a, an email response set to um, I'll contact you in the next 24 hours to let people know That we will get back to them, but are we really not thinking about that, or are we really not thinking about that email that has come through? You know. Yeah. Um, And I think again, it just comes back to at that point in time, knowing yourself and knowing what is it that I need. Who am I at the moment? What is it that I need, just for me? Um, What's going to fill my bucket this week or today? Okay, I'd love to go and have an hour of that, but I can't. I've only got twenty minutes of it. Yeah. I I need to know what it is that will fill my bucket and top me up a little bit at the moment
0: yeah so what are some of those things for you personally that do that um I know you mentioned you've you, your girls are currently running around the oval mm. outside the window and so just to get an hour um on your own to have a conversation is 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 not easy so what are some of the things <laughs> that you do to try and create space practically in your life um and um how do you how do you how do you kind of
1: do those things that fill your bucket? I think again, you mentioned it before. We all know we should stretch more. Um, and getting to my getting to, to my age and some of my old injuries, I, I do need to prioritise that a lot more. So I have, mm. you know, decided that that is going to be something I do a little bit more of. <laughs> that, yeah. Those sort of things. Ta- getting the opportunity to take my girls to their rehearsals, whether it's dance, whether it's gymnastics, whether it's singing. Obviously, I'm not in there with them, and it's their time. But just that, the dashboard time with them. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm in the front driving the car, they're in the back telling me stories. You walk them in, you give them that bit of time. It might be, we need you to wait here as a parent for 30 minutes to pick them up. Those times to me are gold, because um, yeah. I see them go in, I see them come out yeah. and I see the joy that they've got, but then I get 30, then I get 30 minutes of my, to myself <laughs> to, to just sit and wait while they're doing it. They don't happen that often, but yeah. when that, maybe that opportunity comes and I need you to do this today, I'll jump at that opportunity yeah. um, to do that. And I, look, I do, I do try and factor in um, activity time for myself too. Not, not very much at all. Not, not anywhere near as much as it should be. Yeah. But I, I do try to get down and yeah. do some sort of um, heart rate, ex, you know, something heart rate lifting. So I, want to, I just wanted to borrow
0: a question from one of my favorite writers and podcasters, Greg McEwan. He talks about, um, he he runs an amazing podcast. and I'll put a link to that um, in the show notes. But he said. Um, He says, what's an area in your life that you are currently under-investing in? And I thought that might be an interesting
1: question to pose to
0: you. You've touched on it.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that one. Right now, right right at this point in time, because I was thinking about that, I need to increase my investment on um, a little bit of um, professional learning that I've been not doing for the last 18 months. A couple of things that I had looked at doing, wavered on doing, COVID restrictions kicked in and that was, uh, you know, did we start using sometimes COVID as a bit of an easier excuse mm-hmm. for ourselves? Maybe we did. Um, so right now there's a bit of underinvestment there that, that I'm yeah. planning on investing in this year just for my own growth.
0: And what about um, outside of school, um, something just purely, and it's not selfishly, but just mm. yourself that you feel like you would love to um invest in a little more looking
1: yeah. forward could be this yeah. year in the next 10 years yeah. and with with that one of those things from the professional point is getting back on the coaching field again getting right. back in and re-engaging with, with with my young people around around sport coaching um that's a passion of mine the other one um for me was uh reconnecting again with uh, my family etc back in new zealand who i haven't seen enough during our lockdowns that they've had as well oh, yeah. um, and there's a little bit of travel that's been happening back and forth now and fantastic, reconnecting fantastic. there with people which is just beautiful is fantastic you, you forget how well you never forget how much those people mean to you but you you it's not until you don't have that more regular connection that you really realize yeah. how much you need that
0: yeah um you talked a little bit before about uh, being kind of um, being kind of endlessly curious like you're someone that enjoys um reading and 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 all that stuff are there any other for those people that are listening that could be sort of budding school leaders or aspiring school leaders um what are some of the things that you do um practically some of your routines could be each day or each week to help develop your your own leadership i mean you are a journaler do you have someone that is that you've given permission to ask the tough questions to um do you have um uh, yeah is there something sort of more formalized that you do each week to help develop
1: Uh, one thing i would say just back back to that one of anyone aspiring is to try and get that mentor you know to get that person um i've got some people i've worked with that have become really good friends and we've got whatsapp groups and those sorts of things and right. I, i've got a couple of guys there that i'll go back to no matter what and it might even be literally a whatsapp group hey man it's been a while just remember i love you what do you reckon about this and i know that sounds really simple but that can be all you need at times yeah. um, and i've got a couple of friends like that that are colleagues turned into friends that i do that with yeah. um, i try every day to stop and remind you know i don't gratitude journal but i remind myself what i've actually got to be thankful for and yeah i've got a wife two healthy children. And I yeah. always try to frame it that, um, you know, I got, I got upset at my daughter because she spilt the drink on the table. Well, shouldn't I be grateful that we had the resource to put drink in her cup? Totally, yeah. You know, and I try to do that every day. And, yeah. you know, there are times when it uh, just seems like oh, I, I need to get away from here because it's difficult. But for me, it comes back to, well, if I can flip that, what is it I'm actually grateful about that? Now, what is it yeah. that, what is it that's allowed me to feel like that from the positive way? But yeah. certainly, I think that mentor that—not even that critic—the critical friend word gets used a lot. I just think that person that can be direct with you, but that can be warm with you as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's so important. I I had one of those days yesterday, parenting our eldest, and it just you know, and you just feel like a terrible parent, and just a really tough day. And I think um, we we've got this thing in our in, in our house household where we we make it right. And so that may, it may mean that someone just comes for a hug. It might mean that we yep. just have to cuddle on the lounge, but we, we apologize quickly. And embarrassingly, my three year old is better at it than I am. And so she came up to me yesterday and she was, she noticed the sister was upset and she said, Daddy, do you need to make it right? And I was <laughs> like, my head, I'm like, she's the one that shattered. And, and so like, but we've sort of built that culture at home where we can have those open, honest, frank discussions and I i, I remember um, I, I remember realizing that my, my my kids actually don't care what I do and they don't care what position I have they're not impressed by whatever role I might have at school and it was a big revelation for me to go okay like my most important job is here at home with these three people that I live with um, and it's just a reminder that the i think the only reason why i can give so much to my job and invest so much into my brilliant team and other colleagues is because the people that i care the most about are at home and that they're well um it's a it's a challenge though being a parent is uh, the most difficult job in the world uh, but uh, do you have some of those days that you just go oh, i don't know no.
1: with, with, yeah. without <laughs> a doubt you know without a doubt and again i think that has helped us in our job as you said when you I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> well, you don't have a choice because you're a dad. You have to try to figure out what to do. That's <laughs> so when we first have our children, we don't feel like we know what we're doing and we probably still don't. And I, but I think that does help. You, you made a, a really pertinent point there and we'll welcome you, staff, um, tomorrow for a bit of an induction day. And and I've heard our, our current head say this all the time. He says all the time to staff. Um, make sure that home's right. Make sure the family are going well because they are the most in, they are the most important ticket in your life. And, and I think it's a really nice place for us to come from when we're doing yeah. that, yeah. you know? Um, and yeah, we do. And, and you know, but again, it makes us a bit stronger, doesn't it? It makes mm. us better. It makes us reflect that all those things we try to get our young people to do parenting actually makes us do that ourselves first.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm just wondering, Daniel, um, just a couple more questions. I, I, I do want to be respectful of your time. Um, how do you practically organise your day. I mean, what time are you getting up? What do you do first thing in the morning? When do you arrive at school? Um, what does sort of a typical day or typical week look like for you?
1: S- something that I'm working on and trying to get better at. Um, I think, so, and, and I say this with with respect, I say this very respectfully. Um, sometimes when you're working in a, a boarding role, that's also teaching and, you know, other things like that. There's almost a little bit of a badge and honour on the 16-hour day. Um, I I just I think that sometimes they're unavoidable, but realistically, they're actually crazy because if you're not if you're not healthy, you're not healthy. It's basic first aid, isn't it? You can't look after yourself. You can't look after others. So um, we have a system where we have night reports that come in, et cetera. And and when I first sort of started off, I used to like to see all the night reports before I went to bed. But realistically, somebody running a a, a later dormitory may not get their report in until uh, a really late hour. and if I'm waiting up for all of those, well, am I actually giving myself rest? So I have a I have a little um, rule in my head now about when I check the last report. And if they haven't all come in, that's fine. I trust the people up there to do the job. Um, and if it's something that's urgent, they'll text or call me because they know that that's one of the supports that I've got there. If I don't hear from you, I actually am not worried about the job you're doing. Um, I don't you. ever don't ever think that I can't hear from you any time of day because I know that you'll only do it if you really need to. Yeah. So that's the first little thing that I've really tried to work on being better at in a boarding role, um, mm. getting away from the badge of honour of the 16-hour day or, you know, I'm, I'm doing more days in a row than anyone else is because, I, you know, I don't think that's something that should be celebrated personally. Um, what I do do in the morning is, I, you know, we're, um, getting the family ready, obviously, as part of the morning as well. But the first thing I do from a work perspective is I check those reports because I do like to be able to go in to say, right, what's facing me today, what's what's needed from me today. Um, I've got priorities, but is there something potentially that's popped up that's a bit more urgent that needs to be placed ahead in the queue? So I just like to do that one first. Um, And that just helps me to then set myself before I head to our morning briefing before the school starts for the day. What is it that I might then need to follow up on? The beautiful part, as well as um, any other little messages that might come through there, I can keep on top of because okay. of because of technology. You know, in the old days, you might have had to have found that written, written report or called up somebody for feedback. We've got systems online now and cloud-based um, folders we can tap and just have a quick look at. Uh,
0: yeah. Do you uh, do you have any rules particular around email? Do you uh, have times that you are offline? Do you have emails on
1: your phone? How do you? I've I've got emails on my phone and that's simply because with our boarding space, because we're spread across six dormitories and sort of different buildings. Sometimes it's easier to actually be able to take that phone and do that email from there. Or um, if you're doing it, you can, you know, do it from that spot. I don't have rules, but I do. I'm also not afraid to say I'm going to be offline for this period of time now. So, you know, um, thank you for your patience when I get back to you. Um, I don't have anything in a signature or any auto response like that because again, those relationships get built up. Um, I like to build the relationship, um, okay. you know. And I know within my, the people that I have, and, and even the parent body, they won't do it at an unfair hour unless it's really needed. Yeah, I think I've only had one in the time I've been here that was a little bit that was a bit inappropriate time wise, um, but that was because they were. In um, a bit of a fuster themselves as a parent, and they weren't sure. So um, they're they're really good like that. And again, you know, I do a, every term I zoom in with my parent body. We we communicate with them every two weeks via a newsletter. They know that um, they'll be responded to. So just trying to build up that idea of, of trust. And and you know that when the year seven boarders come in for the first few weeks, there's anxious boys and parents there. That will increase a little bit more than normal, but. Um, once those parameters and the trust is there, I haven't had to set anything up like that. I've been fortunate.
0: Yeah, fantastic. What was um what was COVID like for you guys? I mean, it's been it's been pretty chaotic uh, over in my neck of the woods, but I'd imagine there's a, a whole nother level of complexity with.
1: Yeah.
0: Were you having borders on site? Were you completely shut down, or what? Did, what did that look like for you
1: guys? So I did COVID a couple of times. Like when I moved from the school I was at in Queensland in the first. COVID period, that was because um not wasn't because of one of the reasons we decided to relocate to New South Wales was we'd been locked out from seeing family for so long. And uh story was we tried to get back to Queensland one holidays just as a place went into lockdown and then had to do two weeks staying at a regional town to be allowed back across into Queensland again. And again, trying to look after your family side of things, that became really difficult. Um, this role presented itself and within four weeks of arriving here, we went into New South Wales lockdown. Um, but we preempted that. I'd sat with um, the head of college and spoken to different people on the leadership team and across, you know, people on the board, and said it's likely it's going to happen. We're look, watching the health numbers. Let's get ahead of it. What is it we're going to do? Again, who are we going to be during COVID? And we stayed open. We offered um we offered remote learning in the classroom and offered residential um facilities and services here. Now, it did mean that? Did mean that some? Of, I think I ended up with about 40 boarders stayed in during COVID. So probably six, seven weeks, we had them here, five five weeks before the holidays and then two weeks after the holidays and then it released. Um, And to the credit of those boys, there were times they had to actually go three or four weeks in a row where they couldn't leave our school gates. They weren't allowed outside the grounds. Um, So that had impacted our operations. I had to say to staff, if you're not comfortable coming into work, that's okay. Um, because it was just one of those things. You couldn't judge people on where they stood with it. And again, different people had different circumstances. They might have had elderly family members at home and they didn't want to expose themselves to anything like that. Mm. The other thing we did was um, the local, the other local boarding school in Bathurst, the director of boarding at the time, great man, we actually um, sat down together over the phone and said, okay, what's it going to look like at your school and my school, but how can we sort of work together? Because... Right we didn't want the public in Bathurst to see us letting 40 boarders go, go downtown on a Tuesday when we had certain health directives in place. You know, we had to be compliant from a legal point of view. But then when they said, okay, people can go out now to access the shops because the shops are open, we were really conscious with the other school of saying, well, let's not both let our students go down on the same day. Let's not let every one of our students go down on the same day. Let's, you know, work together here, even though we're, two different entities so that was actually quite nice that was actually really um, refreshing to work collaboratively with somebody from another school you know and on paper you might say you're in competition but there was absolutely no competition there and it was trying to do the right thing for the well-being of our our kids but also respecting the community we were in as well.
0: Is there anything else that you have um, that you'll be continuing as a result of uh, what you did during COVID? I mean have you changed the way that teachers for example access professional learning or is there anything else that you've taken yeah. away that has um been really beneficial
1: yeah look i think now all of and I'm, I'm sure it depends on the platform you use but our students have got so much better at google classroom yeah and you know we yeah. know that it all something else goes it can just be there on google classroom um these sort of things we're doing now you know you've created a professional learning network via podcast where we can tap into different people we might not normally get to tap into and I think that's a beautiful thing so that agility that's come out of it has actually been a real positive um, yeah. for a lot of us it's also um, engaged our parents our parent body with this sort of thing too parent-teacher interviews um, as I said I do a I do a border parent forum every term now and they, they're now really comfortable coming into a zoom meeting and sitting up lounges and, and we have Q&A and discussion via zoom um, in the past border parents Probably felt a bit left out because they weren't here. Um, we only yep. we only see you when we drop our son off or when something's wrong. Um, yep. So now, okay, you know, every fourth or fifth week in a term, we'll have a Zoom together and we'll check in. And you might not all jump jump in and join in, but it's yep. just a check in and how are we all going.
0: Have you um, found with that with that sort of those systems of continuous check in? Have your behavioural incidences decreased? Have you had less? Um, uh, concerns or complaints from parents? Do you feel like that that sort of fabric has been um, invested into? Yeah,
1: I I, I do feel, and, and I think you know, I don't want to credit COVID for anything because of yeah. what a, the impact it's had on us as a, as a world. But I, I think thanks to COVID, yeah, that that trust I spoke about mm. has really deepened yeah. because they did have to trust us. Um, and then, you know, when that time comes, just to let you know, we have had a COVID case in the dormitory. Your son's in that dormitory. We will continue to care for him while we care for the young man who's contracted COVID. Um, there's a lot of trust there, and I and I think about that not being a broader parent. I, I think um, yeah. they deserve a lot of credit for that. Not only did they trust us to look after their, their, yeah. you know, their most precious um, thing that they could have, their most, you know... Most the most precious gift they have is their child. Not only are they trusting us there, they're trusting us during a pandemic.
0: Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm I'm just wondering, um, sort of in closing, um, what's a problem that you, as a school, like uh, like if you look at your to-do lists or your agendas or things that are coming up, what's a problem that you are currently trying to resolve or or, or currently trying to uh, find answers to?
1: Oh, look, I think it's it's just the ongoing. Um, Bits of discomfort and tension between, um, you know, balancing all of the different components of a school that need to be balanced. You know, we want to provide the best quality that we can for our students, and we've got to be, you know, um, cognizant of things like enterprise agreements. We've got to be thinking about awards. We need to be thinking about well-being. Um, we need to be looking at: Are we actually offering the young people the best thing that we can be offering them within our school? You know, and within our setting. And I think it's just trying to stay on that. Then we, then we get the, um, technology, you know, chat GPT pops up and all of a sudden we're all worrying out, do we try and shut this thing down or do we embrace AI and where it sits, you know? And, um, those, those are just some examples there, but I think it's just the the ongoing evolution that's popping up every day and every week that we have to keep doing whilst, whilst trying to produce some good young people with an opportunity in life. Yeah, absolutely. Let's,
0: Let's imagine that I have just graduated university and we're sitting down uh, having a coffee. What would be a piece of advice that you'd give me um, as I'm about to embark in my teaching career?
1: I'd give you a couple of pieces. One would, one would be what I said before, which is um, the students um, won't care what you know until they know that you care. Um, be willing to take risks in your classroom and reflect on those risks in terms of your teaching practice or whatever it might be. But remember that at all times, in, in essence, really, it is a little bit of an act and that if you mm. can, A, take some sort of action to, see get control of what you're trying to be, which is probably by giving a piece of yourself, at that point the teaching part will take care of itself.
0: Yeah. And um, same question, but if I was about to step into a school leadership position.
1: Yeah. Listen, 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 hear, yeah. 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 Great advice.
0: Daniel, I'm so incredibly grateful that you would take the time to talk to me in your holidays, and, and, and my hope is that there would be um, teachers and educators all over the world that would hear our discussion um, and um, have a renewed sense of hope for the wonderful uh, profession that they're involved in, and, and I'm so grateful that you would take the time to talk to me. Um, I'm just wondering where people can find out more about you and the amazing work that 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 you do, and also um, more about your school.
1: Yeah, look, as I said, it's uh, we're, we're a um, a Catholic boys' boarding school in, in in Bathurst. We've got a um we've got a bit of a, a thought here that we've put into place, sort of since COVID, every day's open day, come in and have a coffee. <laughs> if you if you're passing through, call in. It's the big old building on the top of the hill as you drive in and out of town. I miss it. Call in, call in and see us. Um, you know, obviously we've all got profiles we have on LinkedIn and on our school websites and that but there's nothing like sitting down with people and spending time together.
0: Great Daniel thank you again I'm so grateful uh, for you taking the time and it's uh, it's a real privilege
1: to speak to you thanks so much. No thank you Matthew I really enjoyed it thank you.